This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Get the giraffe dress. That's what I want. Put it on. (laughs) We're going to have crazy animal love. Hello and welcome to Above the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season five, episode 21 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Weight of the World. As well as Gilmore Girls, Blame, Booze, and Melville. What are they blaming Melville for? I don't remember that part. Do you? Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I missed that. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Moby Dick at the end. Who said Moby Dick? She was talking about Moby Dick to Logan. She's like, you know how in Moby Dick the guy says whenever he gets to the point where he wants to punch people's oh, hats off, he's like, right, take right, to right, the right, sea. Right, right, right. And then she did something. Probably got pregnant on a fucking yacht. Yeah, that's where Lorelai has to come pick her up from. She's pregnant on the yacht. Well, I mean, I think in this one, I was like thinking... Like Melville, like it, it's all related to Lorelai's thing, but it's it's not. Mm-hmm. They're both blaming things. Okay, well, these were both maybe slightly unimpressive yeah, for I feel like, penultimates. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. They were exciting, but it was really just like we're waiting for that payoff, which is going to be the next episode for both uh-huh. of us. And that's okay. I'm sure that the next yeah. two will be great, but I'm excited to talk about them with you. Yeah, I am. We are so excited. We like we're like, let's can we just do the podcast quickly so we can watch the shows? It's late. It's ten thirty at night. It's boiling hot in this apartment. We're both very busy. We had to kind of squeeze it in this week, but that's okay because we want to watch the last episode. So yeah, it's it worked out. We're doing it at a very weird time. It's like late Friday night, but it's Friday night. The air conditioning's off. I had a rehearsal. Yeah, but we're like, should we just stay up all night and do this? And we're gonna. Yeah. Do you want to just dive right in? Any updates from you? I've got no updates. Uh, I did laundry yesterday. It's done. Very exciting. Uh, let's oh, dive wow. right in. Thought you have something a little more than that, but it sounds like we should just dive right in. Yeah, we got to start talking about these episodes. Actually, got, we we have to apologize. Honestly, we feel terrible about this, and we feel like we need to apologize to you. I, I'm sorry we missed this. This is so it's unforgivable, honestly. But we're asking that you forgive us. Two episodes ago, Logan's sister Honor makes a joke about Logan having called. Fucking what's her name? I'm keeping that in. It's Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. Honor makes a joke that when he was a kid, Logan called Alyssa Milano his girlfriend. Didn't think anything of it. But obviously Alyssa Milano is in Charmed. She plays somebody. And <laughs> I know who she plays, but we said early on she plays Piper. So that's just what I picture all the time. Yeah. And that's correct. I have no idea if that's true. It's not, but I won't tell you which one she is. She's the crone. And we feel bad. We feel bad about this. We should have, it should have sparked us to say something immediately. We're sorry. I noticed that you didn't mention that joke. And I was like, that's fine. It wasn't really a big deal. He probably doesn't even know who Liz Milano is, but you do. I do. And you did know she was in Charmed. Yeah. Which I knew too, but since we didn't bring it up, I didn't make the connection. Yeah, we should have. Forgive us. We're sorry. We're sorry. Okay, mine was sincere. Yours sounded... <laughs> yours sounded sexy. Yours sounded like you are about to say sexy. daddy. Yeah, you're like, yours sounded like you are about to say your finger in your mouth. And I like, wasn't, yours wasn't sexy, if that's what you were going for. Yours was just like making fun of people. We're sorry. <laughs> there you go again with that hot fucking apology. 
Brian, do you want to have sex with me? <laughs> no, now you're a baby. <laughs> no, fucking The line stop. is thin. <laughs> <laughs> no more apologizing. I don't want to hear any more of this garbage from you. It's disgusting. All right. We said we were going to get into it, and we lied. Okay, yeah, let's get right back into it. This week, we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about the weight of the world. This episode is about the gang basically preparing to save Dawn. Yeah. The last episode ended with Glory stealing her. Buffy's a mess. Giles is a mess. Tara's been a mess for a while. They really don't have a plan, so this episode really feels like kind of a, a part one episode. Yeah. Nothing really progresses, and we learn some more about Ben and Glory, but it's kind of just getting ready for the last episode, it seemed like. Yeah. So Glory's minions are in a rush to prepare Glory for the big night. The portal is opening, and she's going to use the key to return to her dimension, causing reality to fall into chaos. But this is good news for Glory. The minions are packing up her shoes and stuff, saying she's acquired a lot of stuff and doesn't travel lightly. She, like, just told Willow she doesn't care about this stuff, but it seems like she does if they're packing it. Yeah. Is that coming on the portal? How does this key work? How does she go there? Does she take boxes? Yeah, I also feel like once she's, like, a god... Well, I think they they took her somewhere else to, like, where they're going to perform this ceremony. Yeah, like some random warehouse or something. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense. Like, I think they're just bringing her stuff there because she's going to live there for, like, a day. Because I don't think she's going to bring that stuff with her to... The other dimension. I assume she won't look like a woman. Maybe she will. I don't know. But she might need different shoes for her fretting about her dawn problems. Why bring I, any? Whatever. I mean, because she's a god whose every whim is, is always taken seriously. So I guess that's how I, I picture it. A question arose to me today, too. Like, how does she afford all this stuff? Like, Ben's body is her prison. Does she just use Ben's money? Does Ben have a lot of money? Maybe she makes the minions steal stuff for her. I'm going to guess the minions can give her money. Like, they can do magic. I bet they could get money. Can they do magic? Well, there's a guy that's, like, anointing her, and they seem to know all about this key business, so I imagine they can do something. Well, I guess we find out later these little leprosy demons aren't her only minions. She might have more powerful friends. Yeah. Because I'm like, how does she get these shoes in this apartment if she's just, like, trapped in Ben's body? I mean, she could just take them. Also, has she been in Sunnydale Ben's whole life? Or did, you know... Yeah, that's a good question. There's probably some episode where maybe Ben says, like, I've been here a month or something. I doubt it, though. I feel like there isn't. Because did she just start coming out of him somewhat recently, or has this been happening their whole life? It's been happening their whole life, is what I gather. I feel like maybe he's gotten better at holding her off. And, like, how much of this will be answered? I don't remember, honestly. Well, Glory overhears the minions talking smack about her shoe addiction, but weirdly, she has no urge to kill them. She's feeling a little off in general. She's got everything she wanted, but she's not happy. What's up with that? She asked Don. We pan over and see he's just been sitting there crying and gagged this whole time. Yeah. The rest of the gang is still at the old abandoned gas station in the desert. Spike has hotwired Ben's car, so they're ready to get out of there because Giles needs to get to the hospital. But Buffy's just like catatonic. Yeah. They're not really sure if they should move her. Spike's like, come on, just snap her out of it. He slaps her, which hurts him. That was kind of nice because he probably knew it would hurt. Yeah, it's funny because they're like, don't. He's like, she's the slayer. She can handle it. <laughs> like, yeah. She's going to be fine, which is like sort of true. Xander said he already tried that. I wonder if that's true. Xander and Spike come to blows about how to handle this. And then Willow uses magic to pull them apart. And it's just like, Glory's going to destroy the world. We don't have Buffy right now. Here's what's going to happen. Xander, take Giles to the hospital. Anya's going to babysit Tara. Spike's going to look for Glory. 
I'm going to try to figure out how to help Buffy. And if anyone disobeys me, I'm going to use my new black eyes to fuck with your shit. You got it? <laughs> Willow's come so far. Yeah. You remember when she was just a teacher? <laughs> I know. One of our listeners that is like back on the season two episodes brought that up to me recently. I was like, that's yeah. insane. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. What a weird plot thing that happened for more than one episode. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy to think how different season one Willow was. Yeah. She's so assertive now. Still mousy sometimes, but confident. Yeah, she's changed so much, man. I think college really changed yeah. her. Season four, early season four, she was like thriving in college. Well, mm-hmm. Buffy kind of took a few Found episodes. It. Yeah. But Spike's like, aye, aye, Captain. What about Ben, though? They're all like, okay, what about Ben? He's like, well, Ben is glory. We all saw him turn into glory. None of them know what he's talking about. They're all very confused. He's like, what What are you guys talking about? I saw you all see this. Ben came, turned into glory, took the kid. We all saw this happen, but they do not remember. Spike asks if everyone is very stoned, and they don't deny it. Maybe Ben left some of his drugs. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this is when Xander and Anya are like, so you're saying there's some kind of connection between Ben and Glory? And Giles is like, yes, obviously. But what kind? Like he's a little <laughs> murder mystery detective yeah. or something. That's the funniest part, I think, is when they you feel like they got it, and then Giles is yeah. <laughs> like, well, but how? I do feel like everyone in the Buffy community feels like this is the funniest thing that's ever happened. And it's funny, but I don't know. I was just, like, very aware that this was something people found funny. So not that it was a spoiler. I just, like, knew this was coming at some point in some form. So It is funny, but it's sort of, like, wonky, too. Because, like, Dawn didn't remember what happened to Ben when he turned into Glory. And that was a little weird, but not so weird. Because you're, like, you're traumatized. Glory showed up and killed some people. So maybe you don't remember everything perfectly. Uh, and then the next we know about this weird magic is this episode, and it's resolved in this episode. So I don't know. It would have been cool to have this sprinkled throughout the show, I feel like. Yeah, it happened a few more times. It happened in the episode where Dawn went to the hospital a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. But Spike works out that there must be some kind of magic that makes people forget if they see the Ben and Glory switch, but it must only work on humans. Which seems like a bit of an oversight, but... But it also works on Dawn, who is sort of a human. Right. We'll maybe get into that more. So Spike thinks he's finally got this all explained. And Giles again is like, great. Now, do we suspect that there might be some kind of connection between (laughs) Ben and Glory? I think Giles was, even though I knew this general joke was coming, Giles was still funny to me. Yeah. It's interesting that not only do they not remember seeing it, but they also can't remember being told about it. Yeah, Spike makes that clear. Like, do they think Glory just showed up and then Ben walked back to Sunnydale? Because his car is still here. Like, are they just not thinking that through at all? Are they not capable of being like, well, then where did Ben go? I don't know. It's it's like Dawn, where something maybe doesn't make sense and they just, like, can't really focus on it. I guess they're dealing with a lot right now, anyway. The season's done a lot of, like, false reality stuff. Well, the ritual is beginning at some random warehouse, as we said. It's, they have, like, built her a little room, but I don't, I don't know where they are. Glory shows up with Dawn. I think all the crazy people from the hospital are here, like, working. It was like a bunch of humans outside, and they showed the hospital people leaving. They got regular clothes somewhere along the way. And there's a dude who's like welding that I'm pretty sure is the crazy guy who approached on in like episode two. It seemed like the same guy. Mm-hmm. They all start bowing down, saying, the key, the key. Glory's like annoyed. She just thinks they're all like groupies, basically, like trying to get close to her for the big event. But are they supposed to be their building? Do they just happen to be their building? What are they building? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I guess we will. 
So Glory takes Dawn into like a little room that they've prepared, followed by like a minion priest who's really getting on Glory's nerves. He said he needs to anoint the key and she's like, no, you don't. And throws him out. But like, does he? Maybe that's an important step, Glory. Yeah. But if it's not, then be like, get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> yeah. Dawn seems unhappy. <laughs> that's yeah. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> Dawn, for some reason, just seems unhappy. I don't know. I asked her if anything was wrong. She said no. But I feel like. <laughs> that's just teenagers. They're always like, yeah. I'm fine. Whatever. Yeah. She tells Glory she just wants to go home. Glory's like, well, you're about to. You're real home, not this human body. Like, honestly, maybe ask questions, Dawn. Maybe new home is great. Yeah. Are there dinosaurs there? You should ask. But then Glory's like, what am I doing? Why am I trying to comfort you? Why do I feel guilty about what I'm about to do? What's happening to me? She thinks that Dawn might have something to do with why she's feeling feelings. So she's upset at Dawn again. and She's ready to get on with the ceremony. She decides she does want Dawn anointed. And after that, she can bleed or dry and open that portal tomorrow. It's not time yet. It's convenient for Team Good. (laughs) Spike has gone to Glory's place to look for her. No one's there, but he finds a little secret room where Ben sleeps. We know this because he clocks Ben's scrubs and ID badge. Speaking of scrubs, Giles is all better at the hospital now. Well, no, he's like grabbing his side a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure he's got some healing to do, but it seems kind of soon to be sending him home, considering he got impaled in the side by a night spear like 50 miles an hour. Last episode was almost like, almost titled Goodbye Giles. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was like on his way out. Now he's like, oh, we gotta get to Buffy. All right, let's not run though. Ben's drugs are good shit, maybe. Yeah. Xander's helping him out by putting his coat on him. <laughs> he's so all better. <laughs> he tells Giles that Willow is doing a spell to travel into Buffy's mind. Giles is like, well, that's extremely advanced. And I thought the next thing out of his mouth was going to be how that's a bad idea. But he moves on to the next topic. It's just so interesting that used to be so critical of Willow trying to do like dangerous magic. Yeah. But it's also like, well, it's do or die right now. Like, what has she got to lose? You know, I feel like the show maybe needed to spend a little bit more time on Willow's magical abilities this season than it has. I agree. She seems to like progress in leaps and bounds. Like, late season three is when she started dabbling and was, like, actively kind of bad. Like, she'd mess stuff up. And I remember Buffy kind of poo-pooing her. Like, yeah, magic, you're doing it, that's cute. But it's, like, not something we can rely on right now. Or, like, Giles was like, don't do that. You're not ready. Yeah. And she did stay in Sunnydale for school for the purpose of, like, continuing to learn magic and fighting evil. And we've been told she's learning Like, she's done some stuff this season, like in Triangle. She did something badly. I guess her and Tara, like, floated on Tara's birthday at the Bronze. And then she teleported Glory out of the hospital in that one episode, which seemed to take a toll on her. But we haven't really explored that. It didn't bother me that much. It it did feel like she got a big upgrade in the last, like, two episodes. Because the teleportation spell, they were like, yeah, but it fucked Willow up. So she can't just keep doing that, everybody. But yeah, other than, like, those examples, we just haven't seen her do that much this season. It's always just talked about. Yeah. Like, Tara's said a couple times how powerful she's getting, but now she just seems like she can do anything. Yeah. Like, she can't be gory, but her friends are afraid of her. I don't know. There was, like, a lot to do with Joyce and Dawn and maybe Spike's development this season, but Willow got a bit neglected, perhaps. Maybe. I do feel like we saw her doing spells consistently, though. It's true. Like, protection spells, and it's like, what, we going to show her, like, trial and error every episode? I do hear what you're saying. It would have been nice to see a little bit more. 
This is not a huge complaint. I just feel no. like her super powerfulness has come out of nowhere a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Xander also lets Giles know that Glory's victims, the mental patients, are no longer in the hospital. Then they bump into Spike, who pitches the idea of visiting good old Demon Doc to see if he knows anything about what Glory might be up to. This doesn't seem like a good plan to anyone, even Spike, but they don't really have any other good options. By the way, Spike just starts smoking a cigarette right in the hospital. That was super funny. <laughs> right in front of a no smoking sign. Yeah. They kind of look at him like, uh, you shouldn't. But also they just were like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they don't stop him. Spike tells Xander he found Ben's room at Glory's, but didn't learn much. Xander's like, what? He's subletting from her? <laughs> Spike takes this opportunity to smack Xander. That was funny. He's like, this will be worth it. Do all of Buffy's love interests get to smack Xander at some point? It's mandatory. Did Riley? That's why it didn't work out with Riley. Mm. He wouldn't do it. Glory's venting to her minions. She's upset because she's feeling Ben's thoughts and experiencing his memories. Then Dawn reveals that she remembers seeing Ben change into Glory at the gas station, and she takes this to mean that the separation between Ben and Glory is getting weaker. This happens right after Xander still didn't remember the same event. Can Dawn right. remember because she is the key or because she's like closer to Glory right now? That's not really explained. I mean, it technically happens like around the same time. So who knows what order of time this is actually really told in. I hear what you're saying, but like Xander doesn't realize it till a while later. If, uh, may, maybe we're to believe it's around all at the same time. But Dawn is also the key. So right. who knows? Maybe the rules are a little different. Dawn realizing it happens around the same time that Xander still doesn't know. I mean, maybe, you know, anyone who's anointed has a head start on this mm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because she's, she's the anointed one. Yeah, the anointed child, if he were alive, he would have known, like, immediately. That's why he was important. Was he? <laughs> Spike doesn't even remember him. Glory's having a bit of a mental breakdown. As per usual. She's freaking out. She's like, I can't kill the girl, as she turns into Ben. Then she turns back to Glory. She's, like, begging for this priest to help her. He's like, yeah, there's really nothing I can do. It's a whole thing. She doesn't like that. She says she's going to kill Dawn now. I thought it had to be tomorrow. But her minions agree with me. They're like, what are you doing? You can't do it now. She's like, you're right. I'm crazy. <laughs> Did the minions come from wherever she came from? Or are they just like some random species of demon that idolizes her? Good questions. We're not going to get answers. Okay. It's unclear what can travel with her. Maybe minions can. But again, we learn there are other types of characters that follow her. So maybe they're from here. Glory shoes the minions away so she can be alone with Dawn. She wants Dawn to explain feelings to her. Like, why do people like feeling them? It seems to her that all humans hate it here, as does she. Like, everyone's got vices to escape the shittiness of this reality. She's like, name one person that can take it here. And Dawn says, Buffy. I don't know, Dawn. Have you seen Buffy lately? Yeah. She's pretty checked out. Yeah, she's not taking it very well. She gave up. Yeah, Gloria probably just, like, saw Riley and was like, if this is what humans are like, they are not doing well. Oh, Riley's doing great. Mm-mm. He was doing pretty well early season four. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Was she in Sunnydale then? Unclear. Willow is preparing to perform a spell on Buffy in Xander's bedroom. Anya's going to stay out with Tara in the main room. Anya seems not so sure that this is a good idea. Willow admits she also doesn't really super know what she's doing, but they got to try something. So Willow sets out some candles around the room. Really not much of a spell. She just kind of sits across from Buffy and stares at her and then ends up in her mind. Cut to Buffy's mind, where Buffy is a little girl in her childhood home. She recognizes Willow. Willow's like, Buffy, what are you doing here? She says she likes it here. Willow's like, okay, but your friends need you. 
Buffy's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm chilling here with my dolly. Plus, it's a, a big day for me. And then Joyce and Buffy's dad come home with baby Dawn. Remembered Buffy's dad? A little. I wondered if we see him again. It's not really him, though. This memory didn't even happen. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine this actor being like, what, what is my motivation? What, what? I don't understand. We got another kid? The, I, we didn't have another kid. Okay. I have one line. Buffy's not too thrilled about baby Dawn. She thinks that they're going to pay more attention to Dawn and forget all about her. But Joyce is like, no, Buffy, this is your sister, Dawn. And then Willow says, Dawn. Like, she didn't know who this was before Joyce said her name. I was like, who else would this be, Willow? (laughs) This is Frederick. Who the fuck is this? (laughs) Also, if that was for our benefit, we didn't need it. I I knew that was Dawn. It's fun fact, it's the same baby in Gilmore Girls. (laughs) (laughs) The baby's got a really weird aging disease where it won't age. It's still baby forever. Still baby now. Little Buffy says it looks like an old wrinkly person or something. But that is a a connection between the two episodes. There's a a baby girl enters the world. Mm -hmm. Joyce hands Dawn to Buffy. And Buffy really changes her tune suddenly. She's like, oh, this is great. Can I take care of her sometimes? Like, if you need help? That's very sweet, though, because now she has to take care of her. Yeah. I know this is like a nonsense dream memory, but was Buffy just home alone the day of Dawn's birth? I was wondering that same thing. But again, this didn't happen. So the monks might have been like, I don't know, fucking Buffy's home alone. (laughs) We don't want to throw some random memories on some random babysitter. I mean, we've established her parents aren't great parents. So yeah, I I don't know. Her doll's here. She'll take care of her. She'll be fine. We're going to go have labor real quick. I think Joyce forgot she had a daughter for a lot of the show. Season four forgot Buffy had a mom. Yeah. She's around for like two episodes. Even in like season two and three, Joyce would just be gone for like two weeks. That's true. And then she'd come home with a baby. (laughs) Cut to a different memory. A current Buffy is just putting a book on a shelf at the magic shop. Put a pin in that. Then cut to the desert where Buffy's on her quest with the first Slayer. Willow's seeing all this, by the way. She's like, oh, hey, I remember you from Restless, right? (laughs) And then she sees the part from Buffy's quest where the first layer tells her that death is her gift. Then we see Buffy putting the book on the shelf again. Then she's at her current house where she walks into Joyce's room where instead of a bed is now a Joyce grave. Willow's like, oh, I'm so sorry she's dead. And Buffy's like, it's cool. Death is my gift. Willow's like, yeah, I, I don't know what that means. And Buffy's like, oh, I do. Death is what I do. That's why I'm here. It's all I am. And then she goes into Dawn's room and just like casually smothers Dawn with a pillow. Like a lot of fans would like to do. Oh, <laughs> Not me. Not me. Not me. But other fans. I don't want to kill Dawn. Well, we'll get to that. I'm not like, let's kill Dawn. But I'm like, maybe that's the best way. Wow. We'll get to that. We'll get there. Then we're back to the top of this vision. Buffy's a little girl again. The day Dawn comes home. was like, Buffy, what are we doing? We got to go. They bring Dawn home again. Buffy puts the book on the shelf again. She heads upstairs to smother Dawn again. Will's like, enough, stop killing Dawn. You never did this in real life. You're stuck in some kind of loop. Why are you doing this? Why do you keep putting that book on the shelf? What is this memory? It seems small, but it's something. Buffy's like, I don't want to say. Will's like, well, you gotta. You keep bringing me here. Your subconscious must be trying to tell me something. And then bookshelf Buffy turns and tells Willow that this is the moment she quit. Just for a second. She said she was putting a book back for Giles. Nothing out of the ordinary. But in that moment, it hit her that she can't beat Glory. She just felt it, that Glory will beat her. And in that second, she, like, wanted it to happen. She wanted this all to be over. 
She knew that if Glory won and Dawn died, it would like suck for a bit, but eventually it would be over and it would be a relief. So for that brief moment, she sort of resigned to killing Dawn. Or letting Dawn die. Not resigned to killing Dawn. Right. But like she was sort of okay with letting it happen. Yeah. Because it was inevitable. Not doing it herself, but she thought that by letting it happen, she was killing her. Yeah, exactly. Which is what she's struggling with. I would argue, though, that it wouldn't get better if she let Dawn die because the world's going to go into chaos if she dies. I think Buffy was told that by the night. Yeah, but she didn't have that information earlier. In her memory? Yeah. yeah. Willow's like, shut the fuck up, Buffy. This is just guilt. You've been carrying the weight of the world since high school, and that's a lot. It's understandable. You'd have a moment of weakness. But Dawn's not dead yet. You don't know that, Willow. I mean, we maybe know she's not dead because the world's not chaos, but like we don't know the process. Like maybe Dawn's dead, blood's in a jar, we're going to use it tomorrow. Right. But Willow's like, come on, we got to get back. We got to see what we can do. And then Buffy's back in Xander's bedroom. She bursts into tears. Willow hugs her. But let's go back to Glory and Dawn. We know Glory's about to change to Ben because it's very obvious that she's standing in front of a green screen. I feel like the show, <laughs> yeah. It just like cuts to them. We're like, oh, oh, Ben's coming. Ben's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can feel Ben coming like a burp. Uh, when you watch the show, though, I feel like they do green screen well when someone's not moving. But if somebody's moving and they're gonna do green screen with, it's like, yeah, that's you got like yeah. some weird Scooby Doo effect around you. She was like walking into the shot. Yeah, they're gonna change a lot. Spoilers in the next few minutes, and sometimes it looks great. I feel like throughout the season, it's very well done at times, and sometimes you can totally tell. Yeah, and this is one of those times. <laughs> no, we're both like, oh, Ben, you coming? Ben's like, oh, hey, Don. You good? Has Glory hurt you? She's like, I'm okay so far. Can you, like, help me out of here? Or... But he's freaking out because this memory barrier situation goes both ways. And he remembers all the nights that Glory just slaughtered and feels bad about it. I thought this scene was kind of cool, though, because it's sort of like Angel, when he gets his soul, he's sort of like, oh, my... Because he's like, I did that. Like, he feels terrible about it. And it also, like, lets us sort of see the fight we didn't see. Yeah, that's true. Describes it. Yeah. But Ben almost seems more annoyed that Glory never thinks about him, like yeah, reminding yeah. us that she lost him his doctor career. Dawn's like, cool, cool. Can you like help me real quick, though, before you become Glory in a second? So the priest knocks on the door, asking if everything's chill. Can I do some more anointing, please? Love it. <laughs> ben knocks him out. And he's like, come on, Dawn. I'll take you as far as I can get you before Glory comes back. So he kind of hides her in an alley. I mean, really, he just needs to let Dawn run away and then lock himself in that room. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense for him to take her anywhere if he's unstable. He should run in the opposite direction. But he takes her. He hides her in an alley. He peeks around a corner to make sure they're safe. But when he pops back in, Dawn knocks him out with like a handful of chains that was just on the ground, I guess. How did she pick that up silently? Yeah, those are not quiet. <laughs> it's just like a pile of... Thick chains. That's so funny. Yeah, that would be the loudest thing to pick up. <laughs> would you knock him out with uh, this uh, wind chime? He never, <laughs> never saw it coming. He heard he it. He heard it. He heard it real well, but it relaxed him. <laughs> He's switched back to Glory now. She's thinking of all kinds of ways that she can hurt Dawn without actually killing her. Cause she's got to keep her alive for a while. But Ben keeps popping out. There's a whole scene with like a bunch of really quick back and forths. Like every other line, they're kind of like having an internal fight. That was kind of cool, too, because she complains about how she remembers and sort of feeling Ben's pain from the chain hit. And I feel like that might have actually really hurt her because she's like, you know, yeah, she gets punched in the face, but I don't know that it really hurts her. She remembers that it hurt. Yeah. 
And yeah, this is where like sometimes it's it's pretty well done the way they switch it. It's kind of cool. Ben keeps trying to tell Glory not to hurt Dawn. Glory's like, well, I wanna. But then Ben has his own kind of personal switch where it seems like he wants to kill Dawn so that Glory can't use her to get home. And then he can just like have their body. He was kind of dealing with that in the last episode too. She's like, oh, Ben, you wouldn't do that. You're a nice man. And I can feel what you're feeling. And I know you don't have it in you to just like kill this little girl. So she tries to offer him a deal where once she returns to her God status, she can make him immortal as well. He's like, cool, sounds great, but that still means killing Dawn, and then I have to, like, live with that for eternity. Kind of like Angel, like you were saying. But didn't he just say he was going to kill Dawn? So I don't get why he... Well, killing Dawn isn't just killing Dawn, you know what I mean? Like, because the world collapses, too, all the realities and stuff, so... Sure. If he kills Dawn, he saves the all these universes. Sure, sure, sure. But if he lets her have Dawn, he will turn out fine, but everything's cray. Yeah. A lot of people will die if he gives her Dawn. But he will live. But she's like, yeah, none of that guilt will matter once you're immortal. So don't worry about it, baby. They switch back to Ben. And then it does seem clear that Glory's convinced him because he kind of apologizes to Dawn preemptively that it's got to be him or her. I don't know if you could trust this deal with Glory. Yeah, he he says straight up, like, I believe you. I just don't want to. Well, it's one of those things, too, where, like, I would argue maybe he can feel that she's being genuine. Oh, that's that's true. And that maybe is indicated. Because it's like, okay, I can remember your memories of you feeling genuine making this offer. But also, like, she's an evil god who doesn't have a conscience. So maybe she is like, okay, I'll do it. But, like, when she becomes evil, all-powerful, she's like, yeah, but there's no real reason for me to do it now. It's not even, I did think I would do it, but, like, I don't feel like doing it now. Yeah, totally. Also, what does this new plane of existence look like? I'd have a lot of questions before I sign this contract. Yeah. At some point during all of this, Spike and Xander go to see Doc. As soon as they get there, Xander's like, Ben's glory. (laughs) (laughs) The magic isn't affecting humans anymore, I guess. Spike tells Doc what's up. Glory's got Dawn. He's like, ooh, Glorificus. She's nasty. I'd probably just stay out of her way. I'd help you. I just don't know much. Excuse me. I need to go stand in front of this box that I don't want you to see. (laughs) Spike's like, yeah, you're you're lying. I can tell you're blocking that box. You're box blocking right now. He's like, no, I'm not. And then old dude just like leaps across the room and grabs a sword. Spike knocks it away, but then Doc tongue punches Xander. Like he's got a real long tongue. (laughs) That is what happens. (laughs) He just kind of hits Xander in the chest with his tongue. Yeah. To keep him from, I don't know. He hasn't really done anything yet. Understanding his sexuality for the rest of his life, because that is going to change it. I think I'm attracted to old dude's tongues. I don't know. (laughs) I loved it. Harder. (laughs) Again. But Doc's like, you think only underworld bottom feeders worship the beast? So we got a fancy minion now. Fancy Old, minion. Normal looking humans with tails also love glory. We got a, a tongue puncher and <laughs> he worships glory. The high priest is just a fancier, non-fancy demon, right? He's the same kind as the other ones. He was they just, all like, are just randomly and melty and like Chernobyl looking. So I don't know if he's one of them or not. He seemed like he'd spent less time at Chernobyl and had grown a little taller and wore a nicer coat. (laughs) So maybe that's the same demon. I don't know. Post-tongue punch, Doc grabs the box he was trying to hide and throws it into the fire. But then Xander tackles Doc. Spike grabs the box out of the fire. And then Xander stabs Doc with the sword. He's like, cool, finish that. What's in the box, Spike? Spike says, something worth dying for, I guess. They leave. But Doc's not dead. Doc ain't dead from a Xander sword? Nah. 
I mean, he does have a sword in his chest. Yeah. So I could see why they think they killed him. But his eyes, sure. his eyes do open when there's a music cue to let us know it's not over. He was waiting for that music cue. He's the kind of guy that knows when music cues happen. <laughs> He's also the thumbnail for the next episode. So. Oh, so maybe he'll come back. So at the end, everyone meets up at the magic shop. It seems the thing that they got out of the fire were some old scrolls, which Giles has read. And he's discovered that there is a way for Glory to be stopped, but he says there's not much margin of error. Meaning, Glory's going to open a portal using Dawn's blood at the appropriate time, which is really going to fuck with dimensions and reality, causing chaos on Earth. We kind of learned that in the last episode. Maybe the blood part's new. And the portal can only be closed once the blood is stopped. And the only way to do that is to kill Dawn. Does this mean that they have to let the ritual start? I suppose they're operating under the assumption that they can't stop Glory from starting it. Yeah. But maybe that's an option? Like, they could kill Ben. I, I mean, I'm kind of team, let's kill Dawn. Like, <laughs> she's not your sister. We know this. I know you promised you won't let anything happen to her, but, like, real bad shit's going to happen otherwise. But they yeah. also know that Ben is Glory now, so why don't they just try to kill Ben? Yeah, I mean... But also, if it's between killing Ben or killing Dawn... Killing Dawn makes more sense. Like, Ben's a doctor. Dawn can barely pass geometry. <laughs> and we don't know that her body's not just going to, like, explode in a year. We don't know what she is. Okay, well, Ben is a doctor, but half the time he's a murderous crazy maker. So. I guess you could also argue if you don't kill Ben, like, is Glory still trapped in him? Like, maybe they've said that, like, if Glory doesn't get out now, she's, like, trapped forever. She seems like she's running out of time. I think when Ben dies, she dies, and like that's what she's worried about because eventually she will die when he dies. Shed is what she's worried about. Shed is. So, but if they do kill Dawn, Glory can't use the key. So then, can Ben just be a human? No, I think they'll share a body until. Will she keep coming out? I think so. Well, maybe then they gotta kill Ben and keep. And it seems like their magic's getting wonky, so like it might be like much more chaotic. I thought. Glory had like a time crunch, but maybe that was just like time to try to escape. I think that is to use the key. Like there's like the planets align. You can use the key then. Okay. Well, that's the episode. What do you think, Brian? Is it a good one? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was definitely like a part one. Buffy had really suffers from that like finale or mid season, like two parter where the first part is like, oh my God, we're setting it all up. And when then- you say suffers from for our purposes. I don't know that, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's bad to have a part one that sets up anticipation for a part No, two. I absolutely no. I just, when you're like, there's just so many juicy bits that we know are coming and I'm excited for them, but they're going to be paid off in the next episode. Yeah, I did feel a little, like, it, her dream really wasn't that exciting. N- nothing really new was added this episode. Maybe Doc? I mean, I think we dived into the band glory dilemma. A little bit, yeah. Full for- force this episode. A little more than last episode, yeah. Yeah. We also dived into Buffy's psyche in this one. That's true. So I, t- I, I know I liked it. I liked it. I do feel like it felt a little bit like treading water because the last episode just has Dawn like being whisked away by glory. So you're like, shit, it's end- it's the end now. And then this episode was like, well, not quite. We're waiting a day. Then it's the end. Yeah, it's just it's kind of about like inner struggle. Like, yeah, Ben and Glory and Buffy. But I do still think it was good. I still liked it. I liked learning about Ben. It was a little chaotic, but I liked it. I also liked how Willa took charge. I feel like she's when Buffy is out of commission, she's the one that steps up. And it's just like you said, it's sort of fun to see how far Willow has come as a character, because I do feel like this show has shown us her journey of becoming much more confident, even if they could have shown more of her magic. 
Yeah, that and is really cool. Her stepping into this emergency leadership role, like like she did like in Halloween, for instance, I liked a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like that too. No, I definitely don't think it was bad. I just was a little surprised by how little happened. Yeah. Well, we just had an action fucking episode where Buffy's like sword fighting knights on the top of her moving car like in a Mad Max movie. So like, yeah, it, this isn't nearly as action packed as that. And the one before that had a lot of intense stuff. The last few really have. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're going to we're going we're going. This is a whole big thing. But this one was sort of like, we're going to take a week to think. We're going to take a step back and we're going to talk about the thoughts that went into this. Like Glory and Ben have made their decisions, their moral and emotional decisions. Same with Buffy. So now we're ready for like we are fighting. We know why we're fighting. We know where we stand as far as the audience watching. So I yeah. like that. And I also get why they, why a show would need to do that because – I can't remember a specific episode, but I, I feel like Buffy maybe especially has done that before where mm-hmm. it's like you can't give too much exposition early on because that kind of ruins the mystery. Yes. But then unfortunately you need to do some big information dumps at some point. Which is what we got in this episode was a lot of that. It would have been nice to get this spread a little bit more over the season. But I also get why they can't do that Yep. as much. But definitely not a bad episode at all. So what do you think is going to happen in the last episode? Well, I don't think Glory will win. I think Dawn will live. I don't know what will happen to Ben. but Because it, it, it seems shitty to kill Ben. Ben doesn't really deserve to die. I mean, I guess now he's resigned to killing Dawn, so maybe there's a way to justify killing Ben. But I feel like it seems pretty clear that Willow and Buffy will team up. Willow's obviously going to do something huge. She's proven that she's getting more and more powerful. Her and Buffy have kind of... Ben teaming up a couple times. I also think that there's going to be something with Tara because there was that mention of her. Glory said something to her about like, if you can tune out the things, you can you can be free of the voices. So maybe like Willow will go into Tara's mind. Tara's just going to show up and start building on that building. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> She's trying. They keep locking her in places. But also, death is Buffy's gift. And this episode is called The Gift. So I think mm. someone's getting the death. Someone's getting gifted? Yeah. I don't know if mm. Buffy's dying or Ben's dying. Maybe a lot of people will die. Maybe Buffy will give a gift to someone else and they can deal with it. I don't know. Um, and I think just the fact that they've mentioned a couple times that Spike's like the only one that can really help protect Don. Like he's the only other real fighter in the group now. I feel like he'll come into play in a big way somehow. And they set up that he like cares for the Summers family. So he'll maybe make a big move. I don't have any specifics on what that is, but I'm excited to find out. I'm excited too. But first, a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show that aired around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 5, Episode 21, Necromancing the Stone. The matriarch of the Hallowell line are summoned for the wickening of Wyatt Matthew Hallowell. But the necromancer demon is trying to absorb their magical powers. Right. Well, let me just start out by saying that Alyssa Milano was great in this episode. So good and hot. Oh, my God. I wish I could have dated her. What is a necromancer? They cast spells to, like, bring dead people back or to control the dead. I, they're going to wickening Wyatt. I don't know what that means. They're going to turn Wyatt into a Wicca. Yeah, it's probably like a witch baptism. Yeah, right. I think that's all it is. All of the women need to come and pour mm, some kind of spell goo onto Wyatt. And they say, uh, don't call it spell goo. Well, I 
mean, it's like whatever's in their cauldron, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with calling it spell goo. That's what Piper calls it. She's dumb. Alyssa Milano, she's like, spell goo. Like, Piper, it's... Piper, it's got a name. We don't know what it is because it's hard to say, but don't call it that. Don't call it that. But it was she delivered it well. She was very funny yeah. as dumb, dumb Piper. Alyssa Milano. So this necromancer shows up and starts bringing a bunch of dead people back to life to try to steal these powers. Because uh, when the dead people bite you, they like absorb your power, and then he necromancer gets them from the dead people by biting them. Yeah, it's weird, and it's like seems unnecessary and poorly written, but that's what they did. Do you think they were just like this will be a good gathering where a lot of powerful witches are? It's a good place to steal powers. Like they yeah. they were reading the paper for like gatherings. just any kind of wickening that was going on. Yeah, wickenings are big. They do yeah. a lot of um, <laughs> magic reveal parties. They do a yeah. lot of wickenings. Mm-hmm. Don't mind our siren. God, it's so loud. New York City, oh my god. So yeah, it's a, a fun episode. There's zombies. Alyssa Milano's amazing in it. So good. But at the end, they stop the necromancer. But then he brings himself back to life from the dead, and he gets away at the end. And Wyatt, Matthew Hallowell's officially a warlock now. Yay! He's already done a ton of magic shit, but like now he can do it in the eyes of God. Yeah, like before you could do it like if your parents are at home, but like now he can just do it wherever he wants. Right. Still can't talk. He's a baby. Yeah, he's a very small child. Do you think they're going to do that thing where he's like 10 years old next season? Yes. Definitely. But it's magic, so they can justify it. Yeah, it's really, he could change genders, height, amount of legs. Doesn't matter. It's magic. Yeah. Might be a mermaid next season. I hope so. Paige is still a nymph. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. We just wanted to take a second now to let you guys know about Summer Water, a very special product from our friends at Wink.com. Summer Water is an award-winning, highly praised dry rosé and one of Wink's top-selling products. It's so well-liked that Wink gave it its own wine club, the Summer Water Societe. Societe members receive 10% off their orders, free shipping, and random surprises included in the delivery. You can order packs of 4, 8, or 12 bottles, including the regular Summer Water rosé, or try their chilled red. It's also available in Summer Water Rosé Droplets, which are fun-sized single-serving bottles. Stay stocked in Rosé for your summer events and all year round. If you're interested, you can sign up using the Summer Water link in our episode description. All right, then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell everyone about Blame, Booze, and Melville. Okay, so this episode is about Lorelai's article coming out and also about Rory... Uh, discovering some stuff about herself, and also about Lorelai maybe being pregnant. We'll see. I mean, we saw. So the episode starts with a Friday night dinner where Lorelai is dressed like a goddamn giraffe. It's uh, not great. It's such a weird... Like, the dress actually looks nice on her, but it, the, I hate the print so much. I don't remember giraffe ever being in fashion. <laughs> it's made from real giraffe, too. The girls are having fondue. No. <laughs> That's a the guy we know named Frondu. That's his real name. And I don't know if that's his real name. That's the name he tells people his name. Teaming is. up on Frondu. He loves it. He would if you guys knew Frondu. Well, last time I saw him, he tried to tell me he's got like four names. He's this old man that lives in Madison that just is a character. He doesn't seem real. I wouldn't be surprised if like a year from now we mentioned Frondu and people would be like, I, we've never heard of him. He never lived here. This is just a hallucination you've had. Or if they're like, yeah, he died 100 years ago. Or he's just super famous and everybody knows him a year from now. Yeah, you'll see. Well, anyway, they're having fondue and Emily makes a big point about how the girls aren't eating any fruit. They're just eating marshmallows. This will be important a little later. 
So then Emily calls for her newest maid, Luminista, to come bring some more marshmallows out for the girls. Fancy. Yeah, and Lorelai says, bless you. And it isn't clear to me if she's saying bless you because Luminista is like a funny name, like she sneezed, or if she's just happy because her mom is bringing them more marshmallows. I think it's the latter, but I initially thought it was the former because Luminista is a wild name. Yeah. Emily reveals that she's going to be sponsoring a dancer for the city ballet. She hands out pictures and bios of possible dancers to Lorelai and Rory to like decide who she gets to pick to sponsor. And Lorelai makes a joke about one of the male dancers not needing any additional endowments. This like annoys Emily. Like she's all like, like this kind of talk is too much for me. It's not proper. And she doesn't approve of the double entendre. That's clear. But I feel like in the last episode, she was calling Lorelai a little prudish. I feel like, I don't know, it's not that crazy. Emily changes her tune. She seems very into the male physique later in the show. Well, even in this part, when they, she's like, oh, I can't believe you guys would say that. And then <laughs> Rory's like, so what do we do with the endowed boys? Does he go in the yes pile or the maybe pile? And she's like, well, okay, let's put him in the maybe. Yeah. I have to say, I have some issues with this episode. Like, I do not understand why Lorelai is at Friday Night Dinner right now and why she's, like, being pleasant. Or why her and Emily are, like, getting along in this episode. This whole season is about how their relationship has imploded and how Lorelai has, like, tried to remove Emily from her life completely. And then in the last episode, it's true that Lorelai went to Friday Night Dinner, but Friday Night Dinner was terrible. Her parents were mean to her, and Emily, like, did some weird, like, psychological torture to Lorelai the entire time she was there. And in the last episode, Emily says to Lorelai, like, if you're coming to this dinner to see Logan, then you gotta come to all of them. But why can't Lorelai just be like, actually, no, I went to that one. I got what I wanted. I'm not coming again. We're not friends. But here they act like nothing happened. Like they're back to the you disapprove of some stuff I do, but like we get along just fine relationship. And, and it bothers me that they abandoned so much of the season's arc for this. Yeah, I mean, I would maybe argue Lorelai is trying to get ahead of the article because she knows it's coming out. So maybe she's trying to, like, preemptively smooth things over. But I also don't know if she would care that her mom was mad about the article. Yeah. I get not wanting to make things worse because they're already bad. And Emily is maybe more just, like, distracted by this dancer thing this whole episode. We were kind of, like, talking over that in the beginning. I was like, oh, it probably doesn't matter. It's not that important. But that was wrong. It was a huge part of this episode. Emily's yeah. relationship with these dancers. But I feel like this show, I love Gilmore Girls to death, but I do feel like Buffy's much better about respecting the established plot lines of the show and season. And I feel like Gilmore Girls will just drop it for the next episode if it's easy. Yeah, it is It is very odd that this fondue dinner seems so fine. It's like when she just dropped Jason. It's like, yeah, she dumped Jason and we've never, they spent a whole season talking about how great the relationship is. And then we don't even hear about the legal things that were the reason they broke up. Anyway. Back in Stars Hollow at Luke's, Luke has raised the price of his toast by 10 cents. Very relevant to inflation now. Like, I'm feeling this. Like, I get it. And Kirk is, like, haggling with Luke about this. He does. He's like, that's a 10% increase, which technically it is. This scene is, like, pretty funny. He says that he should get a discount because of the way he sits in the seats. He's like, I plop my butt directly in the center of the chair, no sliding, so there's, like, barely any wear and tear. And then Luke says, there's no discount for direct butt plopping. That was super funny. Yeah. There's no chance he was able to say that line with a straight face the first time. True. Kirk is like this the whole episode. Like, later he disputes an extra penny on his bill. And then also later he asks if coffee refills are still free. Which also, again, there was an episode this season where he tells someone he doesn't drink coffee. Yeah, I know. But we know he's drank coffee in the past. He was trying to yeah. order, like, quarter calf or something from Lorelai when she was filling it at the diner that one time. Yeah, people just write jokes and they're like, none of this is real. So just, who cares? 
It's also funny when Lorelai comes in and Kirk mentions the price hike. She's like, well, 10% is kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, ten- I was like, why wouldn't you raise it to 25? That seems like not much more. But when you think about it in terms of percentage, that is a decent amount. Yeah. Well, Lorelai comes in and she brings an advanced copy of her travel magazine article. Luke is supportive as ever. And he mentions this big party they're going to throw her in New York City, which, again, I don't understand. Like, it's another thing in this episode that's crazy. This newspaper writes a story about her, and then they're like, we're going to throw you a party in New York City, and we're going to send a limo. What magazine has the money to do this? You don't throw parties for people you wrote stories about. It's insane. Yeah, I don't... Maybe it's like a huge magazine. Maybe it's... Maybe they throw a party once a quarter or something for all the... Yeah, maybe, but it sounds like it's, your article's just so great, they got to throw you a party. Yeah, may- maybe it's like a every other month magazine, and they throw parties for... Th- it, that, that does seem like... You wouldn't give someone a limo unless it's like a yearly party. The, the limo is where it's too much. If it's just like, hey, we're having this big party, anyone that we liked or wrote a story about is allowed to come, okay, cool. But it's like, we're celebrating, we're sending you a limo to New York City. That's so much money. Also, Lorelai goes and is like, oh, what an exciting thing. It's like, yeah, but they also published this article you literally asked them not to publish. Right. They told you you're not friends. Anyway, audience, I'm sorry. I know you guys are like, Brian is ranting, and I'm sorry I'm doing a Luke rant, but some of this just does not check out. Anyway, they're looking at the article, and then an excited Taylor looking like the music man calls Luke to let him know that the powers that be, that's Taylor's words, the powers that be, have signed off on him getting the Twickham house. It's really funny to me that Taylor keeps referring to these like town elders as the powers that be, which is essentially the entire plot of the show Angel. <laughs> it's just like a weird phrase. It might be related. Do we ever meet the powers that be in Angel? I I I just think this is another thing where Amy was been watching Angel along, along with Buffy, and she's like, oh, I like powers that be. Here's an Easter egg. Sure. We never get to see the New York party, but we do see them coming home in the limo. And both of them are super drunk because they didn't eat before they went and they never had a chance to eat while they were there. This scene's great. Lorelai is literally cheering Luke on to rant more about how much he hates New York City. She's like, go, Luke. Rant, Luke. I love <laughs> so it. That funny. super funny. Go, Luke. Rant, Luke. <laughs> yeah. He had a whole tirade about how Manhattan's stinky and gross. And he's yeah. not wrong. He's not wrong. I agree with most of what he said. It also felt like someone that had never been to New York wrote it simultaneously, though. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or someone that's been to New York like a couple times. Luke says that he hasn't been drunk in years, which we know, like Kirk and his coffee, we know that's not true. He that's was true. drunk last season at Lorelai's trying to fix her window mm-hmm. after Jess like yelled at him one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like another example of it, but we, uh, he was definitely drunk that time. He was so drunk that time he forgot he was drunk. Maybe. He blacked out his blackout. <laughs> Lorelai thanks him for being so supportive during all this and then suggests there will be some sexual thinking when they get home. He's like, yeah, get the giraffe dress. That's what I want. Put it on. <laughs> We're going to have crazy animal love. And they do. He's in a panda bear costume. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be hot now. No, they wake up. They're like the wrong way on the bed. Their clothes are on the floor. The door's just open. Lorelai gets up. It's clear they like had a crazy night. She walks a couple paces, and then she has this, like, concerned look on her face. And then we cut to a different scene. Now, I know immediately that this means she thinks she's pregnant. Because there's a scene earlier where she jokes with Rory that Rory should get pregnant if she wants to take a bunch of naps. Kasuki be napping. Yeah, Kasuki. Yep. And she's had sex with Luke, and it's been great. So I can't think of another reason right afterwards she'd be like, oh, uh, I'm upset about the sex we just had. 
Yes. If we didn't know she'd already had sex with Luke, this could be read different ways. But it is pretty clear that she's concerned they didn't use protection. Yeah. And the last thing she said was like, we're going to have sex and I'm excited about it. So it's got to be that she's thinks she's pregnant. Meanwhile, Rory is at her internship and everything's going great there, too. She's integral there now. She is absolutely killing it. She's a fast talking, fast walking newspaper natural. Logan stops in and asks how his dad is treating her. And she's like, oh, he's treating me really well. And he also invites her to his sister's engagement party on Friday after her Friday night dinner. Rory's like, cool, I'll come if I can. She's also really hopeful that Logan's dad is going to hire her to work there over the summer. She absolutely loves it here. And I feel like Alexis Bledel does a great job this whole scene, especially like showing the hectic pace of the newspaper. Uh, It was a little cheesy, but I liked it. And then I also just liked her like wistfully being excited about maybe getting this job. I feel like she played it really well. Yeah, I think she did a good job in this episode, too. And Logan says, like, you're a shoo-in. It seems like my dad really likes you. The next day, Lorelai and Rory arrive at Suki's for her surprise baby shower. Rory has bought a bunch of discounted old holiday party supplies from Taylor's that she's planning to repurpose for the baby shower. And that's when Suki comes rushing out, and she's like, the baby's coming around the mountain. For some reason, Rory is, like, weirdly disgusted by all this. She, like, shuts her eyes and doesn't want to see anything, but it's like, what are you afraid of seeing? You think Suki's baby's just going to suddenly drop out of Suki and, like, the placenta's going to pop like a gross water balloon? Like, what's the worst that could happen right now? Maybe she's just traumatized by that whole day with Sherry. (laughs) It did seem like weird new information that Rory's afraid of pregnancy. Yeah, and it's also just, like... There's nothing to see gross right now other than she's going to look tired and in pain. Super weird. When they get there, they're running out of the house. Jackson's holding a suitcase and he's like, Rory, grab Sugi's suitcase. Why does he need one? And why wouldn't he grab Sugi's? Like if they didn't show up, what was his plan? Go back Probably for the other go one? go back for the other one. I just don't know why we even needed to see that he had one. I don't know. I think it was just to show that Rory was still supportive even though she was grossed out. I don't know. I mean, fine. Have her go get it. Whatever. Maybe if we ever get pregnant, we'll understand the scene a lot better. Sure. Because when they're at the hospital, they bring in Sugis, but not Jackson's. Yeah. They're pink and blue. That's how I know. Who's is who's. <laughs> at Luke's, Kirk is still being stingy with his money, and Taylor calls. He's got some bad news for Luke. Luke actually asks Taylor, how's, how's it going? And he's like, well, not so well. Well, I mean for you. It's actually going really well for me, because there's a bunch of German tourists here just, like, shoveling candy into their face. But for you, it's not good. This call through the window bit is kind of funny. Yeah. Because it's a way that Taylor and him can speak in the same space, but Kirk can't hear it. Yeah. Because it's not that fun to see a phone call between Taylor and Luke, really. Normally, Taylor would come in and talk to Luke, but he can't because Kirk's there. Yeah, but now Taylor gets to be in the shot in a different room dressed like an insane person. Yeah, and there was the German tourist humor in a couple scenes. It seems the powers that be are probably going to give the Twickham house to another buyer who's willing to put down a lot more money, like a quarter of a million dollars on the house. Luke is like, no one in town has that much money. Like, I know everyone. No one does. And then Taylor tells him on the phone who does. And that person is Kirk, who I guessed. Luke confronts Kirk, asking him where he got all the money. And Kirk's like, I've been working for 11 years and I've had 15,000 jobs. (laughs) Which is very funny because he has constantly been working multiple jobs in every episode. It still is like, you can only work so many hours in a week and all these jobs are like minimum wage jobs. Well, he's also been very frugal, he mentions. He's like, yeah, like, we, I haggled you for that money and you folded. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, invested it. Yeah. So he wants the house for him and Lulu to raise a family. So Luke storms into Taylor's shop and demands to see the mysterious town elders, the powers that be. And Taylor's like, that's not how it happens. You need to talk to Lorne. And he's like, no, make it happen. <laughs> Lorne is an, uh, a character from Angel, for some of you that do not care about Angel. <laughs> 
Kirk also like has used his money to find out the secrets of Luke's assets. <laughs> yeah, he's like paying people to tell him secrets about Luke. Yeah. Also, though, why was Kirk homeless for like three episodes? Yeah, also, he in this episode is like kind of like, fuck you, Luke. I'm going to take this house. But it's like Luke has repeatedly gone out of his way to do crazy nice things for you. Like your night terrors, like teaching you how to date. He let you sleep in Lorelai's house when he was going to have sex with Lorelai when you were homeless for three episodes. You ruined that for me even, man. <sighs> I get that he maybe didn't immediately have somewhere to lay his head. Maybe right. you can't just like find. Get a hotel room. But he could pay for a room at the inn if he's got that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. Or stay with Lulu. Like, I get that he's stingy, but that's still then it's just shitty that he's doing that to people. Anyway, we finally do get to meet the powers that be. And this scene is all very, very funny. Taylor sets up this meeting in like a sauna with the powers that be. The powers are just these super old men in towels. Kirk is also in the sauna in a towel. We get to see his whole weirdly shaped body. His like chest has a nose. It's weird. It's it's different for sure. Um, Yeah. Luke is just in the sauna in his regular clothes. At some point, they tell him to put on a towel, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, doesn't an old man just shout, like, you should strip and get in a towel? <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, I'm not doing that. He also addresses the elders as old guys. Kirk makes his case for the house. Kirk is also just like, yeah, Luke over here has got, like, body issues. That's why he's not in a towel, and he's got shallow pockets, and he doesn't have as much money as me, and also, he should be on pills, and which is maybe true. Yeah, Luke could use some therapy. Do you remember Boppet episode? That was not like a I'm all okay guys kind of situation. But Luke's learning and growing. I agree. Luke is almost like Spike where it's like I am a, an animal but I love this woman a lot. And I will oh. do whatever I can for her. Luke is Spike. Yeah. I mean Luke isn't inherently evil. He's just grumpy. Same with Spike. Nah, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Spike is inherently bumpy. <laughs> Some of these elders agree that Kirk should be at the place, but then, like, the top elder in the corner, whose face we don't see because he's got, like, the towel up, like he's like a monk, he just gives this speech about how Luke should have the house. Dude's got this booming voice. He says, Luke should get the house. He wants it more. We know he wants the house for Lorelai. We watched Luke pine for Lorelai for nine years. He waited for her, and he won her. He wants the house for her and the children they will bring into the house. (laughs) he, like, waves his hand, and all the elders are like, yes, yes, give it to Luke. I don't know if, like, he's Stars Hollow's glory, and those are his minions. Well, because also Taylor's like, I didn't tell him that you want it for Lorelai. <laughs> yeah, he just like, knows. Also, when he says that he, like, won Lorelai after pining for her, Luke looks, like, mm. proud. That was kind of cute. Yeah. This dude, like, is like a Jedi, though. Like, he's got almost like a cloak on because of his towel, and he also sort of waves his hand when he's done, and then everyone's like, yeah, I guess this dude's right. I thought this was really funny. This was just, like, so random and weird, but I buy that this exists in this town. Yeah. It, like you said, it is very funny that he knows all of these details that Taylor did not tell him. <laughs> I believe Taylor, too. I do, too. So Luke gets the house. And then immediately, Kirk is like, well, it's got a big yard, Luke. Maybe you could uh, hire me to, like, keep it up. <laughs> just wants another job. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Suki is once again thinking random people she sees are famous people. That's a a symptom she has when she's pregnant, I guess. Did she have that in the other time she was pregnant? I'm going to guess she did. I I didn't look it up, but... I I don't remember that. It's funny because, like, at some point, Lorelai takes an apple out. She's like, huh, that apple looks like Ben Stiller. We'll get there. Jackson keeps mentioning that whatever name they don't use for this baby, don't worry, they'll just say it for the next baby. And you could tell Suki's like, uh, maybe having some second thoughts on this four kids in four years situation. Yeah. That's when Lorelai starts eating this apple that she got from the vending machine. And Suki's all like, fruit? You don't eat fruit? And Lorelai's like, yeah, I don't eat fruit. 
And we know that's true because in the first part of the episode, she's just eating marshmallows. So then Lorelai's like, oh, wait, I'm eating this apple. It tastes delicious. That's a bad sign for me. That means I'm probably pregnant. So Lorelai freaks out and she just stops like a random doctor in the hall. It's kind of funny. She's like, are you going to save someone's life right now? And he's like, no, not right now. She's like, cool. And then she starts like pumping in for information about the latest pregnancy tests she could take. She's like, is there a machine I can crawl into and you can tell me if I'm pregnant? And he's like, no, you got to wait a while. He says the apple craving could be a sign or not. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I know women do get cravings. I was telling you about how like sometimes in olden times, sometimes women would crave chalk because it had calcium in it. But would you have cravings like day one of being pregnant? I don't know. It seems like this is like the next day. Yeah, it does. It seems like your body's not throwing cravings out yet. Like, I don't even know if you're pregnant yet. Right. Anyways. Emily calls. She got her ballet dancer in the mail. It's uh, Pola, who is in love with Lorelai's old magic eight ball. And Emily just wants to know if Lorelai minds if Paula has it. Again, I feel that this phone call is just too friendly between these people. Like, Lorelai exercised Emily from her life a few episodes ago, and here they're just, like, being friendly. It seems weird to me. It is weird. Lorelai then calls Rory to make sure that Rory is taking precautions so she doesn't get pregnant, letting Rory know that she's worried about herself getting pregnant. She's like, yeah, Luke and I were out last night. We were drunk. We didn't take precautions. It's funny because Rory isn't worried about her being pregnant until Lorelai mentions that she had an apple and liked it. (laughs) Then Rory's like, whoa, uh uh-oh. I remember all the apples. (laughs) (laughs) Too many apples. But then Rory's like, hey, would that be so bad? Would that be so horrible? It's Luke. But Lorelai's like, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be that bad, but like, it's just not the right time. Yeah. I just got a new job. Just got rid of you. (laughs) Yeah. We're new. I agree. That's that's a lot that early. And then what feels like zero amount of time passes. 14 hours. Sugi has delivered her baby and Lorelai is calling Rory to let her know. She also says that she's not pregnant and she knows now. But it is not clear how she knows. She's like, yeah, I ate a bunch of junk food and like washed it down with some soda and no more fruit. So I'm not pregnant. Like I, I have to hope that something else happened. Like she got her period or like the doctor did remember like a chamber she could climb into to find out if she's pregnant. <laughs> that must be it. Yeah, it did seem like she was basing this solely on the fact that she was no longer craving apples. Yeah. But maybe it's subtext that she got her period. But if that's the case, she probably shouldn't have known she couldn't be pregnant because you can't really get pregnant like the day before your period. It's maybe possible, but you get pregnant like halfway between periods. Like the yeah. day you're most fertile is like the middle of the cycle, not the day before. Yeah. Also, is her only form of protection condoms? Because she was telling Rory not to leave it up to the guy. Which, I mean, mean, women can have a condom. Right, right, right. Maybe Lorelai's the one providing the condoms. But it seems like, by her own advice, she'd be doing something else on top of condoms. Maybe I'm wrong. Lorelai says she didn't mention it to Luke because she imagines, you know, Luke just running off and leaving, like, a spinning hat and a pile of smoke if she were to tell him. Which... I know is not the case, right? I feel like that doesn't seem like Luke. Like, he treats Rory like she's his daughter. Well, yeah, meanwhile, Luke's, like, planning for a whole fucking huge family, and she doesn't know. Yeah, so she's, like, a weird misreading of Luke's whole character. But, I mean, Luke's also doing all this behind her back, so he's kind of hiding his baby desires, too. No, I agree with you on that, but I I just, I, I know they don't know that. That is true. But I don't feel like Luke has a persona like, I would never be okay with having a child. I don't know, he... He does seem to kind of not love kids. Okay. He was weird about the musical. That's true. He wanted more tall people. I feel like there's been other times, too, where he's had to interact with kids, and he's like, ugh. Then we get a disturbing scene where Jackson is talking about their next child. He's very excited about it. You can tell Suki's not. She's all like, uh, no, you're getting a vasectomy. And she means, like, right now. 
And he's all like, you're kidding. She's like, no, you're getting a vasectomy. We're not going to have any more kids. And, okay, I don't have a problem with her being like, we're not having sex until you get a vasectomy. Like, I am in control of my body, and I say no more kids. That's her decision. But what we have then is she's like, you're getting a vasectomy. There's no talking about it. And then a huge imposing male nurse comes in to, like, take him to the vasectomy. The implication is very clear that this is not a choice. This dude's going to do this whether or not he wants to. And then we have this, like, sweet, like, okay, I guess I'm going to go do this. But I don't like it. It's weird forced vasectomy, and I don't like it. Like, obviously, he can't force her to have kids. But, like, literally being like, go have a vasectomy right now is it's not cool. I, 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 it, like, if you were to tell a woman after she gave birth, like, okay, let's tie those tubes right now. Just do it. I know she wants more babies, but tie those tubes. Like, what? You, that's not cool. It was a little weird. I mean, I... She can't literally force him. Like, he could be like, no, I'm not going to do that. We can talk about other ways to not have kids, but I'm not doing this. He he does agree to it, but it did seem like we should have talked about this before you made an appointment for him. Well, I, I, you're absolutely right. In the real world, there's no chance that this would be something you could force on him. But I feel like the nurse thing was, like, very clear the message they're sending, that she's like, you're doing this. You don't have an option. Yeah. Guess we'll see what happens. Okay, I'm interested. Does he fall in love with the nurse? My guess is he's not going to get a vasectomy. They're going to have more kids, and there's going to be a big fight about it. Which is also, lying about a vasectomy is also fucking terrible. Terrible betrayal of your lover. Both are bad. Anyway, back to the internship. Rory is setting up an office for a meeting with Mr. Huntsberger. He arrives early because his wife has set his watch ahead to get him to get home earlier. He's like, that never works. Ha ha ha. My marriage is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the implication. Like, ah, my wife and my marriage is suffering. We get to see a bit of this newspaper meeting where Mr. Huntsberger lets everyone on the staff speak their mind and give an opinion on stuff. It's They're just talking about, like, raising costs and different things they could do. Uh, there's some fun banter in here. But afterwards, he asks Rory to hang around because he gave her this internship to take her under his wing and give her feedback. And he feels bad because he hasn't done that yet. She's excited for this. This is what she's been waiting for. She's probably, like, primed to hear, do you want an actual job here? He sits her down and he's like, you know, journalism is a super stressful business and a lot of people can't handle it. And I've got a lot of experience here, especially with new hires and how well or poorly they're going to take to the business. And like my gut is a lot of the times is right. And then shockingly, he tells Rory that his gut is telling him that Rory is not cut out for this. Were you shocked? Yes, I was shocked. You thought he was going to say, you're great, you're perfect, love you. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something like that, but like he couldn't give her the job. Because she's dating his son or something. So that would be like the twist. Like this was all like, you can have the job, but you got to leave Logan kind of thing. Because I I did feel like there was maybe some evilness of him that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, to me, it's still unclear if he gave her this internship to intentionally crush her spirit to either get her to leave Logan or to get her to not be a journalist so that if she's going to marry Logan, she's at least not traveling the world and she can be his trophy wife. Or she just doesn't have it. It's unclear. At this point. It is unclear. It is unclear. He does say, hey, sometimes my gut is wrong. Not often, but it has happened. Uh, and he also feels bad. He's like, you know, I'm sorry that I'm telling you this. And she, he also does make clear that he's like, I'm not saying you're incompetent or stupid. I think you're smart. You're super good at anticipating needs. Like we saw with his coffee last episode. And he's like, you'd make a great assistant. Ooh. Ooh. He says oh. that like, you'd make a good leprosy demon. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to give you any lines, but... But if you could carry my shoes around, yeah. you'd be great at it. You get to watch the guy who anoints Don. That's your job. So, you know, he's like, I feel bad. But he does say that, like, you know, I feel like maybe what I just did for you was a big favor and then leaves. And 
Roy doesn't love that. Yeah, Rory walks out just devastated. Oh, my God. Just devastated. Now, you brought up some great points. So it's unclear if he really does feel, at face value, he's telling her you don't feel like you should be a journalist. And it seems believable. But this guy double talks. They've set that up. Like Logan has said, like he's good at double talk. He's good at stuff like that. I feel like it's either he gave her this so that it would put a wedge between him and Logan, but that doesn't seem to be the way he's playing it. So it could be that he's like, I want you to be with Logan. Obviously, you're going to be with Logan, but I can just take your career away and push you to be a better wife, the kind of wife we would want for Logan. Like you suggested, I feel like that's the way it's looking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's either like very manipulative or just kind of an honest, rich guy that has no problem telling some random girl the truth. Yeah, and I mean, I do feel like it's not, he maybe had a point. There's a moment in the meeting where they're talking about how it doesn't really make sense for them to like hire people to write about events in New York. Yeah. But because the city that they live in is like so close to New York, people are interested in the events. So they're like, yeah, just get like freelancers or college students to do it. And he almost like pitches that to Rory, like, yes. maybe he Rory says, like, would yeah. do that, or maybe Rory knows someone that does that. He like turns and looks at her and she kind of just smiles and nods. So I, I don't know that I caught that the first time, but like rewatching, I'm like, oh, he is trying to like encourage her to speak. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Because he does. He says, Yale. And then she kind of smiles like, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was his like, you should jump in right here. Like, this is your area. I totally get her not knowing if it's her place because she's just an intern. Well, it's more than that, too, right? Because I feel like it's doubly difficult because it's she's an intern. She's new. You don't want to stick your neck out. But also you got to, right? But on top of that, this is also her boyfriend's dad whose family does not like her. So she's probably like doubly like, don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the wrong thing in front of this man who has so much sway over my entire life. It's also possible he's trying to manipulate her in a good way. Yeah. She is great, but I'll lie to her and tell her she's not. Right. Because that'll, like, make her work harder. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I'm really interested. I feel like they've written him in such a way that I'm like, I don't know how to feel. And I, we'll have to, I have to wait to find out. Well, at Friday night dinner, we find Emily has exchanged her dancer for a new one. Mikhail. This is very funny. Apparently, the previous dancer was just, like, too dumb and annoying and too soundless when she walked around. He couldn't hear her coming. Emily's like, I feel like I was being stalked by an elf, which is funny. Like she probably would be really light on her feet. But also, there's a very funny line because Lorelai says, you just kind of bought and sold somebody? Like, you just exchanged a person for another person? And Emily's like, I paid for her, and she wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> She's made that point before about her help. Yeah. Oh, my God. Then Luminista is there. Luminista's still around. That's nice. Yeah. When you never make it a week. Michaela's telling Emily all about his hometown. He's like Russian and like speaks with a Russian accent and like a broken English. But he's telling Emily about his hometown. And she says, oh, that sounds wonderful. And he's like, yeah, our people die very young there. (laughs) (laughs) And Emily's like, oh, well, that that doesn't sound so good. Lorelai gives an advanced copy of the magazine to her mother and to Mikhail to read. And then she excuses herself before it gets super uncomfortable and she locks herself in the study. It's very convenient that Richard's out of town this episode because Emily is like, I fucking this dude. She's excited what she traded up for. Oh, yeah. I don't know that Richard would approve. Magic A ball. Would she fuck Mikhail? Signs point to yes. (laughs) Emily's going to keep him in her, like, little panic room. I feel like that he's just going to live in there for her. Yeah, I don't know that Richard's going to love coming home to this. Well, as you'd expect, Emily starts getting very upset in the other room. She's freaking out. 
Lorelai's all like, I'm not going to have this fight with you. I'm not going to open this door until you forgive me. She also says, I'm sorry when I wrote that I was mad at you. So are you not mad at your mom now for like trying to ruin your relationship? Like, right. We, okay. I feel like you should still be mad at your mom. Whatever. Whatever. But she's not mad at her mom anymore, I guess, because they had one Friday night dinner where Emily like tried to make her go insane. I can see Emily wanting to move past it because we did have an episode or two where she very badly was trying to smooth things over by talking to Luke. Yeah. She desperately wanted Lorelai to come to dinner again. Right. She didn't understand why she wasn't. So I get why Emily might try to make things seem okay. And I get that when Lorelai did come to Friday Night Dinner, it was for the wrong reasons, which pissed Emily off, which is why she was a lot the previous episode. Yeah. But I don't, it doesn't really make sense that Lorelai would just forget all that. There's, there hasn't been anything on her end. There's no and, olive branches that are like acknowledging what Emily did was terrible. Right. And also, like, I hear what you're saying, but it just seems to me that this is something that Emily would be furious about forever. Because it's like a very public attack on her character and reputation, which is like Emily's whole identity. Lorelai gives her some tips for how to make that better, but that's whatever. It's also notable that Rory seems to be good with Emily again, which could happen more organically than Lorelai, I think. Yeah. I kind of figured Rory would forgive her over time. There is a very funny line here, though, where she's on the other end, other side of the door, and she says, she did not get into a quote-unquote bitch fight with Jimmy Carter. <laughs> so funny. Seems like she maybe did do some shit to Jimmy Carter, though. Well, it was his wife, I think. Uh, it was super funny. Um, so Lorelai apologized, and Emily's like, okay, let's let's not be mad at each other anymore. Calling me Pol Pot. <laughs> but you know who isn't over it? Mikhail. No. He's just, like, angrily putting his jacket on and leaving. We're like, what's going on? Goodbye, Mrs. Yeah. Gilmore. I must leave. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what? He hates inns. But if you guys remember, during the interview several episodes ago, Lorelai jokingly compares her mother to Stalin. And it turns out this guy's whole family and village was killed by Stalin. So he's a little offended. It's pretty great that they set up this joke several episodes ago and they're paying it off now. This guy would have been born after Stalin, but I guess his ancestors were killed by Stalin. We don't know how old this guy is. He might just dance so much that he looks young as hell. <laughs> I mean, wasn't Stalin around like World War II times? Yeah, They talk him down and everything's fine. That was very funny. I know that they've moved on past their fight, but they're just like teaming up to make sure this guy's feelings aren't hurt. And then <laughs> yeah. he stays with Emily and doesn't think she's Stalin. So instead of going to Friday night dinner, Rory just goes to Honor's engagement party in a very sour mood. She shows up and sees Logan on the yacht talking to some woman and she starts asking a bunch of questions like, who's this girl you're talking with? And she's mad about the traffic there. Like the insinuation is like, are you fucking this girl too? He's like, no, this is like my sister's friend and I know her husband. And she's just like obviously in a bad mood. She's like, you know, what? I just like want to get away from people. I want to be just you and me out on a yacht in the water. And he's like, well, the engagement party's on the yacht, so I can't take it out. And then she's all like, it's like in Moby Dick where the main character's like, you know, whenever I want to punch people's hats off, I have to take to the sea. She's like, I want to punch people's hats off. Let's take to the sea. And she's like, well, if we can't use your yacht, how about that one? And she points to one. He's like, well, that's not mine. And she's all like, well, that hasn't stopped you before, has it? And he's all like, I think uh, maybe I'm a bad influence on you. And let's do this. They get excited. Now, if you remember in the last episode when Logan was going to steal Emily's like trinket, she like protested, but like also kind of maybe was a little excited about it. So I feel like that undercurrent is in her. And so she's all like, oh, let's romantically steal a boat and like go off into the water. He hasn't stolen a boat before, right? He just like sank one. It wasn't his, though. I don't know what the right. what really happened. I don't know if he stole it or if he just like was renting a yacht. 
So they run off to romantically steal a yacht. Cut to Lorelai getting a phone call from Rory. And all we hear is Rory say that she needs Lorelai to come get her. And then Lorelai says, where are you? Dun, dun, dun. Where do you think she is, Brian? She's on an island. That's my prediction. She's on an island somewhere. Pregnant. Okay. She's pregnant. She left. Yeah. So she's on an island somewhere. They've already set this all up. Logan is great in his yachts, but at his family dinner, he pointed out that he only crashes yachts that aren't his. So he probably crashed this rando yacht. She needs Lorelai because Lorelai knows Luke, and Luke's got a goddamn boat. So they're going to come get her on a boat. It's going to be an adventure. They have set I'm up the boat. about it. Yeah. This the whole season they set this up. Or she's in jail because she stole a boat. Logan keeps offering to take her to New York, and she never wants to go. Rory, go. Go with him. You'll stay in a nice place. Luke and Lorelai had a great time in New York. Yeah, go to New York. Also, report on some stuff while you're there. Send it to the paper. They'll probably pay you for it. What did his dad say, too? She, like, doesn't have the, the, the oomph drive. to, like, go after a good story. That's maybe been kind of shown. Yeah. I don't know. They also keep saying she's doing really well with the paper. But, like, she was having a hard time with that music story. Yeah. The show has shown us that Rory isn't perfect, though. Like, when she thought she was doing well in school and the teacher was like, yeah, you should drop my class. Like, you're not doing great. But she I freaked feel out about that. She did. I think that she is good at these things. I think that we explained why she wasn't good in some of her meetings. We had, having her boyfriend's dad as her boss in an internship, that's just like an unreasonable amount of pressure. I think she's going to be a good journalist. I hope so. So do you think this is a good episode? Um, It was fine. Not, some parts of it were really good. I did like the bomb drop that Rory's not doing great at work. Yeah. Whether that's manipulation or truth is yet to be seen, but I, I, that was, I mean, I knew it was coming, but probably was unexpected. Our, our Rory is perfect at everything always. Totally. So that's interesting information. Some of the stuff with Emily was funny. The town elder stuff was very funny. I really liked the Kirk and Luke stuff. Yep. And Taylor. It was a good trifecta. Is that the right word? Trio? There's three of them. They were all interacting. But yeah, you, you're right about them dropping the whole fight with Lorelai and Emily. I don't know if they'll drop it forever. Maybe that'll come back up. But like, I mean, I'm sure they'll rib each other further. But there were some good pieces, but it, it wasn't like the strongest episode ever. Yeah, I felt like there were some really funny parts, but I just I, I'm sorry. I know some people can get over it and get past it, but there was just some stuff that like all season we spent working on and then it just sort of dropped here. And I, that really didn't work for me. But they also did set up some stuff that they're paying off, which is really cool. The whole yacht subplot is being paid off. Yeah, they did keep bringing up the boat. I was like, oh, weird. I, I know what's going to happen with this boat, but I did not remember that they constantly talked about Logan and yachts. But then the pregnancy thing was just so like, I'm pregnant. Two seconds later, I'm not. Probably. I don't know. Like, what's happening? Do you remember that TikTok we did making fun of all the rich boys at Emily's rich boy party and we named one of them yacht? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody commented like, oh, Rory's got her eye on that one. <laughs> Mm. You get it now. Do you have any predictions for what's going to happen in the next episode, Brian? I mean, I don't really think they're on an island because I don't call it. I think they're probably in jail for stealing a yacht or for like stealing and crashing a yacht. I hope they didn't crash it just because like Jess crashing a car. She had to call her mom from the ER. So that's just like very much like, are we just doing that again? But I think that she is going to get in trouble for stealing the yacht. And I think maybe she'll do something big to like prove she could be a journalist. I don't know what that would be. Maybe she'll move to New York to, like, do... Yeah, I don't know. That's what I think. 
I think Lorelai's going to tell Luke that she thought she was going to get pregnant and then be like, but you would never want to be with me like that. And he's going to be like, yeah, I bought this house for us. And I think maybe he'll like ask her to move in with him or something. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely setting up some Luke and Lorelai stuff. Like, he definitely seems like he wants to have a family. She yeah. is saying it's too soon. Yeah. She might want to travel. He's aware she might want to travel. So I feel like that's going somewhere. Yeah. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? I don't know. It's tough. I, I'm leaning towards Buffy just because of the things in Gilman that didn't work for me. I agree. This is a hard one. I feel like as we were watching, I wouldn't say I was bored with Buffy, but I kind of. At some point, I was like, I don't know that we're going to get much resolution from this episode. Yeah. So you're going to go Gilmore? It just wasn't thrilling. I think I had a more enjoyable time watching Gilmore because a lot of it was quite funny. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, Buffy was probably just like a better piece of television. Yeah. It did more. Gilmore had a lot more flaws and wasn't particularly memorable. Well, there's a couple really memorable parts, but like this dancer bit seemed like whatever. Yeah. And the way that the article coming out was just like diffused so quickly. Like this was like three episodes of worry. And then it's just like, but mom, you got to forgive me. And then her mom's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's the payoff for this whole plot. Yeah. Okay. I forgive you, I guess. I think Buffy overall was probably just a better piece of work. Yeah. But I was slightly unimpressed by both. Sure. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching the season finales. Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 22, A House is Not a Home. That's going to be Luke's place. And we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 22, The Gift. That's going to be Buffy's death. Someone's getting the gift. Oh, man, let's see. These titles are spoilery. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, what happened with Emily and Lorelai? Why are they good now? Do you think that Emily and Lorelai's relationship repaired far too quickly? Or were you guys like, whatever, let's just get past it? Are you fine with killing Dawn? It seems to make sense in some ways. Then Glory can't use her. Would you be worried if Willow went in your head what she'd find? Ooh. How do we feel about what Suki did with the vasectomy? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed launch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out at an upcoming podcast. Okay, we're going to watch shows now, guys. We're going to watch shows. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. It's It's the morning time now. It's already the next day. We're going to watch the shows now. Bye. Bye. Bye.